Um, okay, shorten this all up a little bit, and he, he then moves east and has a, a battle with the one remaining emperor there. Um, okay, before they do that, though, I got a, there's a, a treaty that they sign. He's going to do the battle in, later on. And, and for the first time, there's freedom of religion, <laughs> sort of. I mean, Christians aren't going to be persecuted sure. legally anymore. Yeah. Prior to this, Christians were being severely persecuted. Mm -hmm. Before this time, uh, Christians, it was a sporadic thing when they would be persecuted. It was more local or regional. It wasn't empire-wide. Yeah. There was an upflare of Christianity here. Yeah. Christ's time, we're going to swap that down. Right? Yeah, but under, starting with Diocletian, and his successor was really um, horrific about this. The, the persecution of Christians was just extreme. And when mm -hmm. we look back and talk about Christian persecutions and what it was like, we're, we're often referring to this time period, mm -hmm. which lasted, you know, a, a decade or so. Mm -hmm. Not, I mean, that's a long time if you're being persecuted, yeah, right. but, but it's not, you know, 300 years of sure. Christian persecution sure, that yeah. we often kind of hear about. Um, and so Constantine comes in, and because he's a convert, sort of, to this Christian mm -hmm. God, he doesn't want the Christians to be persecuted. He doesn't want to offend that God. Mm -hmm. And so let's not persecute them anymore. In fact, mm -hmm. he in some ways starts to favor them. Mm -hmm. At the same time, he's also doing really kind things for pagans and, and their mm -hmm. worship and so mm -hmm. on. Um, well, these two remaining emperors, East and West, Constantine in the West and Lycanius in the East, there's a showdown, Constantine, and now he's the he's top dog. There's nobody else, and so his his one of his big concerns is, I want to make sure that Christianity is is protected and and even fostered, so we can make the Christian God happy, and He will bring peace and success to to our empire, to my empire. Mm -hmm. What he finds out is there is. <laughs> Giant nightmare. Uh, of there's thinking. a nightmare wait, waiting for him in the east. Yeah, <laughs> um, he encountered something similar in the west, and he w was never able to get rid of that. We won't talk about the Donatists. Anybody listening, if you want to look up Donatists in North Africa, that was a, a schism in the Christian Church in the West that was only resolved by Islam. Mm. They came through mm -hmm. and wiped out Christianity. Yeah. Um, Five hundred years later, something yeah, like that. Yeah, Constantine couldn't get rid of it. Mm. You know, force didn't work, and mm. reasoning didn't work. He comes east, thinking, well, "That's where most of the Christians are. Yep. The highest population of Christians mm -hmm. is here. That's the or you know, we'll we'll resolve this." And instead, <clears throat> starting um, in about uh, three eighteen in Alexandria, there was a priest named Arius um, or a deacon that um, he, he took this idea of Christ not being totally equal to God, mm -hmm. being created, not being co-eternal with God. He took it to the logical extreme, which is he's not God. Yeah. And, and they would say there was a time when the Father was not the Father, mm. except they didn't use the word time because Christ creates time. There was a time when Christ did not exist. Sure. They would just say there was when he was not. Mm. Mm. Um, <clears throat> and, and so he's a creature. Now, he's the first yeah. of all the creatures, right. but he's still, there's that chasm 
unbridgeable chasm between yeah. somebody who is eternal and uncreated and somebody that's created, created. from nothing and not. Yeah. And so that was his thing. Um, and and he, he started teaching this. Well, the Bishop of Alexandria was a guy named Alexander. Mm-hmm. That'll be an easy test question right. to get right. <laughs> um, and he didn't feel comfortable with this. They called a council. Arius was condemned. Instead of just going back home and licking his wounds and saying, okay, he went and he toured mm. the, the eastern half kind of of the empire, not mm -hmm. quite all of that, mm -hmm. but drumming up support. Yeah. And so now you've got this conflict. Uh, some bishops supported him. And, and he really could do that now because of Constantine's support of Christianity. He was allowed to drum up a little bit of Most of the Christian conflicts before were, were done kind of locally and, and through discussion, and, and it could go on for a long, long time. And under the table because they didn't want to cause problems yeah. in, in the Roman Empire. Yeah, and they, they didn't really have any authority to do anything you know, sure. other than you're excommunicated. Uh, yeah. But, but in, in terms of... Any, any, any other kind of leverage they would have that wasn't there. Mm. Um, and so now they, Constantine hears about this and he calls a council. Mm -hmm. And he goes to Nicaea, mm -hmm. which was uh, in, in what we now call Turkey. Mm -hmm. I had a professor describe it as sort of a, um, a, a mountain like McCall. Like retreat. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and in the summertime, you know, up in the mountains by yeah. a lake, it's a fairly nice place to meet. And it's called the first um, ecumenical worldwide council of the church. Mm -hmm. That's a little bit grandiose because it was almost, almost nobody from the West came and it was mostly the Eastern East. bishops. Yeah. Um, so they, they come together and he's presiding and they, they try to hammer out this, this conflict. So the, the, the issue is Christ is not fully divine. He's a creature. He is subordinate. Mm. Um, but he's maintaining the monarchy of God, mm -hmm. you know, and, um, and Christ is really way above us, but, but still. So they, they come together and... But, but again, Arius is doing that out of a, out of a desire to protect Christ, I'm, right? I'm, I protect mean, God. And God as the Father and yeah. Christ as the Son. I mean, it, it isn't, I think too often, especially in the church, I think sometimes we, we view this, this wrong view of God and the, and the Godhead as somehow a wicked thing that these people were creating and, and doing. And I just, I don't see it that way. I, yeah. I think he was trying to defend something yeah. righteously, right? And, and with, it's, with no prophetic leadership. Right. And, and again, it's a people thing that in, in a debate or a controversy, it's us versus them. Yeah. And it becomes easy to de depersonalize mm -hmm. and, and attribute all kinds of things to them mm -hmm. um, and, and all the good virtues to yeah. us. So... Um, they, they call the council, they get there, there's like 230-ish there. And, um, they're for a long time, too. About a month, yeah. really. Uh, and and they, there, there aren't any surviving minutes of the meeting, if mm -hmm. there ever were any. We don't have them. What we have is people that were there that, that talk about it later, mm -hmm. write about it Anecdotal later. Anecdotal kind of evidence. Yeah, yeah. and, and so um, one thing that, that comes from that is... Um, the, we'll call them the Orthodox because they're the ones who end up winning, mm -hmm. and the Arians or you know somebody from the Orthodox side. They all started using scripture. That's mm -hmm. that was their starting point, which yeah. is appropriate. Yeah. And they would they would try to explain you know the Father and the Son using a scripture. 
and the Aryans would would say, "Give us a second, and they kind of <laughs> huddle up and say, "Yeah, okay, yeah." The they come back debate. and say, "That's fine." Yeah, sure. Because they could they could interpret that that scripture in a way that was okay yeah. for them. Yeah. And this was really frustrating, and the Aryans would come back with their scriptures, and you know, and. And, in, over uh, the course of this thirty days, is this the only topic they're they're looking at? Well, they end up doing a few other things too with Easter and sure. you know when is Easter going to be and, okay. and a few kind of administrative sort of things. But this is the big thing. The topic, yeah. and this is what Constantine wanted them to work through. He this was his big thing. Let's work on on. Yeah. We need the to have doctrine. a unified front. Right. Believe one thing. So that God will be happy. Yeah. <laughs> and um, even if you didn't get him wrong. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so eventually. Uh, as Constantine is there one day and, and they're not making progress, they've kind of gotten stumped, he suggests a word. Now, they've, they've taken this probably a, an existing sort of local baptismal creed and they're adding things to it to develop this, what we now call the Nicene Creed. Mm -hmm. And he says, what if we use the word, when we're talking about the Father and the Son, if we use the word homoousius? Mm -hmm. Homo meaning same. Mm -hmm. And usius or usia, um, meaning substance mm -hmm. or essence, mm -hmm. and uh, <laughs> and he probably didn't come up with this term himself. Sure, he had a bishop that his own kind of personal bishop. His name was Hosius, and he probably got the idea from him. Mm -hmm. The word was or that that suggestion was received with some reluctance on the part of some because it, it was not a common word, not a commonly used word, it was a technical word, but it had um, a history of, of paganism and of, of heretics. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and so, uh, but the, the beauty of that word was there was no way for the Aryans to say, okay. Yeah, yeah. You see, Constantine, his big goal was unity and and making God happy and, and you know protecting the empire. The bishops wanted to be right, mm -hmm. and the Orthodox bishops wanted to be right in a way that the the Arians could not participate mm -hmm. in, and this word did that for them. Yeah, even though they were kind of uncomfortable with it, they they went along with it because of excluding the Arians. Separated the Arians, but also. Because the 800-pound gorilla in the room, Constantine, mm -hmm. the first emperor to be kind to Christians, yeah. made the suggestion, yeah. what are you going to do? Say, yeah. that's dumb. Yeah. No way. They accepted it. Yeah. And, and so that becomes... Um, you know, the, 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 the bowl. Yeah. That, that the, uh, and it's built around that kind of idea, right? Can we go back to the, the, the creed? Yeah. Let's look at the creed then again, and if we just reread till we get to that so, kind of concept there. We believe in one God. Actually, it, it'll be the, uh, the anathemas at the end, but yeah. we believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of all things visible and invisible, and in one Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, begotten of the Father. Now this is important because the Aryans were saying he wasn't begotten, he was created. Oh. He's a creature. So this is separate. Begotten of the Father is different. Not begotten, not yeah. created, right? Begotten of the, in fact, the only begotten. Yeah. That is of the essence. Uh -huh. Okay, we're going to come back to what homoousius means and right. how it gets kind of technical. God of God, light of light, and if you haven't gotten it yet, very God of very God. <laughs> 
begotten, not made, mm -hmm. make sure we're clear on that again, being of one substance, mm -hmm. homoousion, yeah. with the Father, by whom all things were made, he suffered through the heroes and in the Holy Ghost. Now the anathemas, but those who say there was a time when he was not, mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> a direct attack on Arius' Arians. formulation, yep. and he was not before he was made, yep. and he was made out of nothing, mm -hmm. or he is of another substance or essence, or the Son of God is created or changeable or alterable, they're condemned. Yeah. So there are things in here that we look at and go, that's confusing, doesn't yep. make sense. They were pointing directly to specific things yeah. that the Arians and others were saying, this yeah. is maybe how it should yeah. be. So let's talk about homoousius for a second. Um, so, same substance. Um, with, in, in Greek philosophy, you've got, um, you've got uh, a class. Okay. Uh, and, and you've got individuals within that class. With, there is a homoousian of, of dogs. Okay. And, but there's an individual, um, the, the Greek word is hypostasis. The, the Latin word would be more familiar to us, persona. Mm -hmm. um, and so within this class, mm -hmm. There, there are individual persona, ind individual examples of this class. Okay. So lots of different kinds of dogs, lots of different people, but we're all the homoousian so, of are we of talking humanity. about? Are we talking about the physical nature of the vi different types of dogs, the behavioral nature of the different types of dogs, or all of those things combined? All, pretty much all of those. Now, okay. you know, there's, there's lots of room for individuality between dogs and people, Sure. but they're all this category. Okay. Uh, this homoousia okay. of people. Got it. Now, with God, God is his own category. He's unique. Yes. Okay. And so Christ and, and the Father are of the same category, hmm. the same Interesting. essence. They are homoousian and with each other. And we are not other. associated with that. And we are not that huh. and never can be. Huh. And, and, and this is, in some ways, the... The, the death knell of us becoming as God is. Right, yeah. Although the Eastern Orthodox Church in a modified form continues to have that. Mm -hmm. um, and so there are three persona hmm. in this homoousia hmm. of God. Okay. They are distinct. Hmm. But you can't separate them because you can't sure. separate God. Yeah. Right. And it's not like Christ is one-third of God. Right. No. Because you can't put God into pieces. Sure, yeah. God isn't one-third. It's one. So, so when you describe, I like, the, I like the description of the canine class, right? Like, uh -huh. like you, 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 there are, I don't know, 1,500 different types within the canine class, but they're all canines. Mm -hmm. And so if, if we describe God as in the Trinity as a three-class system and canine being the, the title, God being the title, but there's only three, not 1,500, then the concept of the Trinity makes some sense. You can understand why, yeah. how at least they're defining 
God. And so the problem of you have three but you have one, yeah. that's their solution. Yeah. Is homoousius. And and God becomes more of a more of a class than a or a category. A category, yeah, than yeah. an individual being. But to me, as I even as I hear that, I think, yeah. but that's three different yeah. <laughs> pe- three different canines. Right. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's the it's a poodle and a, it's three different things. So with us, that's true. With yeah. dogs, that's true. Yeah. But God is His own. His own type. And and His His category is different than ours. That's interesting. And so you can have these three, mm. but they're all three. And and this is really the accurate way to describe the Trinity: three persons. Mm-hmm. It, it's a it's a real technical. Yeah, sure. Three persons who share a common substance. Yeah. Interesting. And so when we say all three are one, oh, that's not quite it. No, yeah. They're all three the same. No, that's not it. It's three persons who all have the same substance. Now, another, and we won't get into Augustine really, but he, he came up with a, a summary that goes like this, a summary of the Nicene Creed. Okay. And he was... The 325, you know, 70 years later. Okay. Okay. Give or take. Um, number one, there, so there are seven statements here. Okay. Number one, the Father is God. Now, now tell me when you go, wait, what? Well, yeah, okay. okay. Got it. The Father is God. Number two, the Son is God. Yep. What? <laughs> <laughs> not, not yet. Yeah, okay. Not yet. <laughs> I'll cure you. <laughs> Got it. Number three, the Holy Spirit is God. Okay. The Father is not the Son. Okay. The Son is not the Holy Spirit. Okay. The Holy Spirit is not the Father. Got it. That's six. That's six. Okay. The seven, there is only one God. Right. Yeah, and as, it's interesting, as you said, number one, the Father is God, but then you got to number two, and I went, wait, what? It's because, in my mind, I put in the word A, the Father is a God, the Son is a God, the Holy Ghost is a God, or is, right? And in, in my belief structure, them being three separate beings who all of it obtained Godhood, then that was all work. It's, all, it's okay. I'm okay mm-hmm. with all that. Mm-hmm. But if they're claiming it as one being, then, it, then that's where I'm like, oh, mm, nope. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Interesting. So, so that's, that's their formulation. Now, so... Today, when we talk about the, the doctrine of the Trinity, even when we talk about it with our Trinitarian friends and neighbors, uh, the thing that we kind of focus on is, how can three be one? Yeah. Well, the doctrine of the Trinity actually has a way of dealing with that. We may mm-hmm. not agree with it or sure. appreciate it, but, but they, they, they kind of dealt with that, mm. with the homoousius, and yeah. this is their category. Right, yeah. um, Interesting. But the real, the real mystery... The real hard thing for the people who came up with the doctrine of the Trinity wasn't this. Hmm. It was, if Christ is begotten, then there was a time when he wasn't. Yeah. How do you, how do you get past the fact that he was begotten? There's a starting point yeah. before which he wasn't. Right. And here's what they came up with. He was and is eternally begotten hmm. of the Father. Interesting. There was not a, a beginning or an end. He is eternally begotten. It, is it a, is it a I'm, I'm probably way off here, is it a almost logos kind of concept? Yes. 
like it because he's of the Father's essence, he was always there. He was always there, and he is just this expression, the logos, yeah. uh, the expressed part of... God just hadn't said it yet. Yeah, yeah. or... Yeah, I'm not. I'm not. <laughs> I'm not know, sure about not. that. <laughs> right. <laughs> but but it, 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 you know, co-eternal, mm -hmm. and 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 their their technical word was emanating. Yeah. He he emanates like the logos, mm -hmm. spoken reason, logic, mm -hmm. discourse, mm -hmm. and so on, emanated from what was in God's mind. Hmm. Um, Interesting. God, Christ is eternally emanating from the Father. And, uh, and, and when they add the Spirit, um, you know, he, he's also emanating from yeah. the Father. Yeah. Um, now, the interesting thing about this is I've always been, uh, until a year, year and a half ago, kind of impressed that in a month they could come up with all of this. Yeah. And then I learned that there is, was um, a Greek philosopher um, named Plotinus, and in, uh, around 260, so six, 70 years, 65 years okay. um, before the Council of Nicaea, mm -hmm. he, he proposed a triad of the One, capital O, okay. we would put God there, yep. and the intellect or mind, mm -hmm. Logos is coming to my mind. We yeah. would we would liken to Christ mm -hmm. and the soul, spirit, the spirit, and the mind and the soul emanate from the one. Mm -hmm. Now with Plotinus, this was a hierarchical thing. Okay. Hierarchical thing. Yeah, that was good. You got it. <laughs> and and those that were emanating mm -hmm. were subordinate to. Mm -hmm. And I. I'm making a connection here that I haven't read or heard anywhere else. So again, if it's just me, yep. <laughs> there's a really good chance I'm wrong. <laughs> but it's, it seems to me really convenient that these well-educated men at the Council of Nicaea, trained in Greek philosophy, mm -hmm. uh, most of them, maybe not all of them, um, were aware of Plotinus and his triad mm -hmm. And this emanating, mm -hmm. which is the eternal, be begotten part mm -hmm. of the, 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 the sure. idea, all they had to do was pivot it so that it wasn't hierarchical anymore. Mm -hmm. That it was, was a, exactly it was right. an ongoing, eternal, yeah. uncreated, eternally begotten. Mm. Now, the, the people who came up with the doctrine of the Trinity, they said, how can Christ be eternally begotten? Mm -hmm. How can it be that begotten means there, there wasn't a starting point and there's not an ending point. And they said, that's the mystery. Yeah. The mystery isn't three in one. The mystery is, and by the way, mm. when, when my favorite anti-Mormon on the radio said all the elements of the doctrine of the Trinity are in the scriptures, that's the one that I would like somebody to show to me. point me to that one, yeah. Because it's not there. Yeah. Well, it's interesting, the mystery. It, as you've been talking, I've been, in my mind, in my own studies, have, have looked at some of the, the future creeds that came after the Nicene Creed. And, and the idea that God is unknowable mm -hmm. became a phrase or concept, maybe it's not even worded that way, but, but that, that really 
maybe was meant to appease the masses. You don't try to understand this, you can't. Right? I mean, it's, what are we, an hour and a half into this, and then kind of, we're maybe kind of beginning to see how all these other things that they were believing and thinking and whatnot have kind of morphed into this, like, almost seeable, understandable concept. But, but when you go out of the council, and you've got the, the smartest religious minds in the room, none of which are going to God saying, hey, what is this? Mm -hmm. All of which are turning to each other. When they go out of that council where they've kind of learned to agree together, even if they had to excommunicate a whole group of people out of their group so that they could agree. And it was a relatively small group sure. of that 230. Yeah. Because... The yeah. Ari yeah, the Aryan group, right? But, but, but to go out of that group who can theologically understand it, kind of, to the masses who are uneducated, can't read anything, and try to help them understand that. Whoa! I can't imagine the difficulty they would have faced in yeah. in trying to help their their patrons really understand what it was they decided, yeah. even if they were all agreed in it. And and I think fast forward to our day, and now it's so far in the rearview mirror that everybody just is kind of like, yeah, that's that's just who God is. Yeah. He, he's this thing we can't understand, and we don't we don't need to try because he's bigger than us. And and so then then you look at our <laughs> it's so simple when <laughs> you look well, at our and we'll may, get there it may come back to yeah that. let's yeah. do that so let me just give you a, a real abbreviated um, overview of, of what happens after okay. the council so there's a, a small group of the Aryans that won't change yeah. and they're excommunicated and, and then they go home mm -hmm. now people go home and in spite of what seems to be obvious about homoousias they're of one substance mm -hmm. There's enough there to go, well, what exactly does that mean? Is it modal? Because, right. you know, yeah. same, that almost sounds like all three are one. Right. And so people could go home with me a little bit modalistic mm -hmm. and, and, and feel okay about it. And others, you know, and so it, there wasn't uh, immediate agreement even on what it meant. Sure. Much less changing everybody's minds. Mm -hmm. And in fact, 12 years later, when Constantine dies, the next emperor uh, was an Aryan. Mm. <laughs> and for the next 50 years or so, it's kind of back and forth. Mm. Um, Aryan Orthodox. Mm. Aryan, and, mm. and so, you know, you're excommunicated. Okay, now you can come back. Come back. <laughs> well, now you're ex you, know, you're, you have to mm. go into exile again. Okay, now you can come back. Mm. And then throw in a nephew of Constantine who never converted to Christianity, and he, went, he was trying to reinstate paganism. Mm. So it, it was not a, mm -hmm. a really smooth transition. And then, like I said, 361, they meet again. <clears throat> they, they clarify a few things. They expand a little bit more about the Holy Ghost. And that's the Niceno-Constantinopolitan mm. creed. Very clear, yes. And, uh, and, and eventually, you know, it, it becomes agreed upon and what we've always believed yeah. and taught. Yeah. So. Interesting. Now. Well, and, and before you go on, because mm -hmm. I, want, I want you to continue. Ultimately, the, today's podcast episode is about the apostasy. Yeah. Right? I mean, and, and I think we've chosen this, this doctrine, this topic, to point out how really all the things that were being lost in the church were being lost, how they were, how that was happening, was in a very similar fashion. That uh, one 
uh, church leader might think it this way and another might think it slightly different and there was nobody to general authority it and right. say no no it's this and yeah. one of you is right and one of you is wrong or neither of you are right. right and so they would they would just in a very similar way to how this has all gone down work together to come to an agreement amongst each other so that there could be peace in the church and that was really the it right so we live in a in a day now where the extension of the early Christian church is just a whole bunch of mishmash doctrines that really everybody can just generally kind of agree upon. And I think there are some core doctrines that, for the most part, they're pretty clear on. Yeah. Uh, but then you get the, the, the fringe kinds stuff, of things. Yeah. yeah. And I, you just reminded me of something. Um, before Nicaea, when they had disagreements, it was done locally. We kind of mentioned this. Um, but the debate, the conversation could go on for a long time and maybe never really be resolved. Mm -hmm. But with the Council of Nicaea, you had a general authority. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he just wasn't he just a wasn't Christian. A, he didn't have any authority. Didn't have any authority to speak for God either. But <laughs> but and and he and he could and did throw the weight of the government, including yeah. violence, behind him. And so did the the mm -hmm. Arians when they came in. Some have said that there were more Christians killed by Christians mm -hmm. in that 50, 60 mm -hmm. years period than there had been before oh, well. in, in Roman history. Mm -hmm. um, Interesting. So you've, you've, got, you've got this doctrine, um, which is... is um, it's a separator for sure. Yeah, right? yeah. yeah. And, and the plain and simple um, words of, of the Bible where God is has a form and a shape like us, mm -hmm. anthropomorphic, and Christ is his son, mm -hmm. without getting all technical about what does that mean, without throwing in underlying Greek assumptions of, of, as to what perfection means, immaterial and unchanging and uncreated and all of that. Unknowable, all the... Yeah, yeah. yeah. And w w if you just take the Bible the way it is... Now, funny thing is, I heard somebody on my favorite anti-Mormon radio show <laughs> say the same thing about the, the Trinity. Mm. If you just read it, it's there. Mm. So, you know, sure. let's be fair about it. Yeah. But the plain, simple language of, of it is Father and Son, and we, they don't get into all the technicalities in the Scripture. And mm. that's something that came up because of, of Greek philosophy. Yeah. Um, compare that with um, how we understand... Right. Which is where I was going in my head. That's just so simple. Like, <laughs> and that is, we have uh, an eyewitness as a 14-year-old boy yeah. in responding to impressions and, and impulses of the Spirit um, and a desire to know the truth went into a grove of trees to find out which church to join. Now, he wasn't, he wasn't having a question about the Trinity, right? But he goes to find out which church to join. But one of the, maybe the first thing that gets restored in the restoration of the gospel is a clearer picture of the Father and the Son. Yeah. Because the Father and the Son appeared to Joseph Smith. Yeah. And the Father introduces the Son, and the Son goes on to teach and instruct. Joseph Smith, mm. and and all of a sudden, all of this other stuff that we've just talked about, most of, of what we've just talked about, mm -hmm. becomes irrelevant. Yeah, they are two separate, distinct individuals. Well, in the, and in, and we yeah. are created literally, really, in their image. Yeah, that's where I was going. Is the, the rest of the plan of salvation becomes so much more simple to understand. Yeah, what am I here for? What's my purpose? 
what what does God want me to do while I'm here? It's to become. It was Christ's invitation. Be the be therefore perfect, right? It it is to become like Him through His atonement, so that we, Him and I collectively, can become like the Father. That was His objective too. He just already obtained the perfect part. I'm going through that, right? I, I had not done that in the preexistence, so I'm learning it here. And and so so then it frees our it frees our thoughts to be able to think farther. To If I don't get bogged down, it, it's the adversary's brilliant plan to simply make God an unknowable thing that you are not associated to in any way other than maybe a creature of something created by and, and completely held in subjection to. But favorite creation. Yeah, for sure. Favorite status. But, 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 it, but isn't it a brilliant... Uh, play to just make God not knowable and not understandable in a way that makes him so far removed from who I am and what I am that, that the plan, you couldn't understand the plan if that was how I believed in God. It mm -hmm. would just not make sense. There, that, that I would be asked to go onto, onto this, into this life and learn about Christ and to accept him and to follow his example as a, a typical Christian might believe believing in the Trinity, that that I can go back and worship Him. It sounds like a very prideful God who creates things so that He can come, they can come and worship Him, and that's all. That's their, the extent of their creation. Not that I won't, not that I, I won't have the desire to do that, but, but God's purpose is so much more grand than that. And, and He's not limited to being His own thing yeah, by right? Himself, yeah. the, the three. Exactly. The plan of, of the restored gospel, the plan of salvation, elevates God. Yeah. Because it elevates us. I often say in my classes uh, that God knows everything. He has everything. But He's always expanding and eternally progressing. How? Well, it's us. That, that He has us to to learn and to grow and to become like him, he becomes grand. He becomes a grander God when I become more, when I have children in this world or the next world and, and they become worshipers and followers of Christ and, and ultimately more honor is given to the Father. He becomes more grand the more of his posterity comes to worship him for sure. But beyond that plan to become like him and to continue to propagate that plan is the ultimate objective, right? Yeah. And and there's a lot we don't know about that. We're we're not we're taught almost nothing, very little we're taught about how that might look farther into the future. Right. But if I don't think celestial, if I don't think about that as the purpose of why I'm here, if I don't think back eternally to my relationship to God, my understanding of who I am to him, my purpose on earth is very stagnant. It's so I can be a worshiper of Jesus and God. That's it. That's my purpose eternally. But I don't think he wants us to think that. And that's what, that's not how I read the scriptures even. Yeah. Now, the book of Revelation, which we just got done studying, speaks of Christ saying that we may sit on his throne with him. Mm -hmm. you know. And if I get that, okay, cool. That's uh, I'm okay with that. Yeah. That's a promise from the Savior. I, yeah. I, don't, I don't need... To be a t be given a title, God, to be given what Christ says I can have, which is everything He has, and then, like Paul taught, heirs and joint heirs. Yeah, 
where it's not divided up, it's everybody gets yeah, it, that, everything. That, that a subordinate might call you a god because you have everything Christ has? Okay. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I, yeah. I, I just have loved this conversation. I think that, that the discussion is so nuanced and so detailed and, and, and very difficult, I think, maybe even to follow because there's so much period, there's such a period of time that we're covering and it was so long ago. But, but that there were so many different ways of thinking, that there were so many different um, schools of thought, I think we can understand because it's really how we do things today. Given no general authorities, the church wouldn't take very long to go awry again. Mm. You know, how many, how many priesthood leaders that you and I have known who for good things and good intents have erred in their leadership a little bit and needed to be brought back in line with what was going on only by a higher priesthood authority coming in and making a correction that is being made probably higher than him even, clear back and directly back, not very far, to apostles and prophets who, like like they were missing, were speaking for God, yeah. right? So, kind of as my concluding thing, yeah. and you've already sort of addressed this, yeah. I started out with that question. Yeah. Does it really make a difference? Oh, yeah. <laughs> if at the end of the day... If we worship Him and we love Him and we serve Him and, and all of that, does it really matter if we're Godhead or Trinity? Or, sure. And the answer is, yeah. Yeah. Because it, it, it changes the whole dimension of, of who we are as sons and daughters of God and the potential that we have yeah. to become like Him. It, it would encourage us to look differently at some of the choices that we make in this life. Mm -hmm. It, uh, you know, like you referred to President Nelson, think celestial. Uh, the man, the, 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 the glory of God and the love of God and the power of God and the mercy of God in giving us a plan and giving us the Savior that allows us to become like Him mm -hmm. is something we've grown up with. Yeah. And, and maybe take for granted, yep. but when I stop and think about it, especially in what we've been talking about today, yeah. it's, it's kind of mind-blowing to yeah, me right. that, that he, that's what he's all about. It's yeah. not just, oh, hey, this would be cool. That's what he's about. It's yeah. his work and his, his glory. glory. Yeah. Well, Brother Knight, thank you. That, that uh, I think, has wrapped us up beautifully. It does matter. You know, I, I, might, I might add a little caveat into that that's, that is... In the next life, when we're all being judged, I think that God will look to the faithful Christians who just misunderstand mm -hmm. and and look to their life and say it it didn't matter that much because you followed the Savior, right? In in the way you lived your life and the the actions because of oh, a thousand years of misunderstanding the the, the Godhead, um, it it maybe doesn't matter so much in how I'm going to judge you. But it does matter in your eternity, right? It matters m moving forward who yeah. I am to you and how you are related to me. And of course, tying in with that is they will be judged the same way that we are in the sense that everybody's going to have a chance to know the truth right. and to accept the truth. Yeah. You know, missionary work going on right now. Yeah, the other side of the And, a, and a, the millennium. Yeah. And so, you know, they'll have that opportunity and... and uh, make an informed choice yeah. and, and be able to be judged just as we are. Yeah. Brother Knight, thank you. I, I just am so grateful for your wisdom and your 
uh, studied life. Um, we were talking before we hit record here that you have given 40 years to uh, this profession to teach and to to help lift the young adults and the young people of the church. And I'm just very grateful for all of those years and the things that you've learned and the way that you share it with us. Um, if I could have you close by inviting the young people to something, what would it be? What would you say? <laughs> come unto Christ come unto Christ in prayer in study in your heart in your, your choices your decisions come unto him humbly not demanding something you've earned but acknowledging his mercy and His love and His grace in your life, but come to know Him by exercising faith in Him under repentance mm. and feeling the love that He has for you mm. as the Holy Ghost cleanses you of your sin. Mm. And let that love encourage you as you continue. It's not a one-time thing. It's a, hopefully a daily, regular kind of a thing to have that repentance and that forgiveness. And let that, the love that you feel not just encourage you to be um, progressively better and better, but to bless other people's lives. Mm. My testimony... is that we have a Father who loves us, that we are literally His sons and daughters, that the Savior saves us, and His supreme act of love in the atonement is what makes thinking celestial even mean something, mm -hmm. because without that, it wouldn't matter. Yeah. There's nothing we could do without that. And I testify that He lives and that He loves us, and I say that in His name. Jesus Christ, amen. Amen.